We are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Community Manager Live. Each week, we bring a group of community uh, practitioners and community workers in to talk about a topic that has been suggested by you or by somebody else uh, on the team. And we are going to just kick it off, get started. And I'm going to bring on first my co-host, Tim. Uh, if you will, just introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about you and where people can find you. Hey, David. Great to be back again. Uh, my name is Tim McDonald. I, if you want to locally find me, I'm in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> but uh, online, you can find me at TA McDonald on Twitter, uh, Tim A. McDonald, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And that should pretty much do it. I'm the head of community at Homeroom, and I was previously the director of community at Huffington Post many years ago. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good. Next up is Pedro. Hello, everyone. Nice to meet you all. I'm Pedro Hernandez. If you want to meet me, it's kind of tricky. It's not <laughs> so close as thing. I'm in Brazil, Sao Paulo. And I help community builders and manage builder communities and also circle and build the products. Very good. Very good. And joining us again, uh, she was here with us last week, is I'll just call her Alice. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, uh, yes, I think Alice is fine. Uh, I got my name from Alice in Wonderland, so it translates. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm a community manager at MVP Match, which is um, kind of recruitment for freelancers kind of platform. And I'm running a community for freelancers there. Uh, before that, I was engaged in building communities, develop developer communities, so technical communities uh, in Microsoft and smaller companies in Poland, where I come from. So it's nice to be here again. Thank you for the invite. Sure, glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so what we'll do is uh, we're gonna ask questions of everybody and we'll let them give their answers. Uh, if you have questions, please just type them in the chat. You can find us on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Um, you can do Twitter. We won't be easily be able to pull those in, but if you if you uh, use the first three, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, we can actually bring your questions in and display them on screen and then take a, a stab at guessing. We love comments too as well. Um, just so you know, the questions will appear up above. My finger's disappearing. How weird. Uh, <laughs> up above here. And uh, and then they'll be there so that you can just, you know, I know that I, I get to rambling sometimes and I'll forget what the original question was. So that'll help me stay on track. Um, but I'll start us off with our first question. Um, you know, how do you document and prioritize the requirements for a community? And, you know, is that really the best place to start? Um, anybody want to take a stab at that? I can actually start because uh, that's literally where I'm at at this moment. So, um, so yeah, so it's a good a good question for me. So basically, uh, I took over a community that was set up on Discord over a year ago, and um, I've been doing my best to make this platform work. But I I was I'm a single person, a single uh, person community team. And, uh, you know, and it was just like hard and not very clear for me, like, what are the goals of the community in the first place? Like, what do we want to get from the community? What do we want the community to get from us? Like, what do they need? What they could actually use help with? So right now I'm, um, I've actually taken very many steps back uh in, in the community work so i'm actually at the point where i'm running internal and external workshops so internal within the community so what specific people specific teams in a company would like to see 
uh, as an engagement for community, what how they could benefit from engaging more and from more of the community, you know, uh, what kind of activities they would like to see and also external. So I'm also running kind of workshops and meetings with people from the community, uh, what they think it could be better, how they, they see it working, like what connects them with people the most and stuff like this. So for me, uh, I'm starting now with the question, like why do we even do it internally? And what's important for us uh, in building this community and externally, what value we could give people that would actually be you know very unique so that they're not getting it anywhere else or they feel like we could do it better for some way so like our unique value proposition for the community members and why do we even want to do the community internally and i documented actually in miro so i just like created a big project in miro to have also a visual representation of this so um yeah that's that's the way i'm going around this about this now Thank you. Yeah, very good, very good. So funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what we use is Miro and we call it our community planning canvas. Um, but really, I think the important things for anybody looking to discover a platform is one, to understand what your business goals are with the community. Um, secondly, to understand who your community members' personas are um, because that will dictate a lot. Um, uh, definitely, like if your Web3 Discord is probably pretty native to them. If you're not, it's probably very foreign and <laughs> not going to help. Um, and then I think the a couple other things to take into account, too, is, you know, is it something that you want as part of a mobile app experience? Is it something you want white labeled? Is it something that, you know, you just want you know, standalone, separate. Um, and so I think all those things really drive into, you know, some of the things, but as um, Alicia said, did I do that good? Your name? Um, yeah, it's just fine. Like I, I told you, like it's international. In Spanish, it's Alicia. So it's like, it's okay. <laughs> I thought I remembered that from last week. Um, but, you know, it's really about like just putting it all down and I think really involving um, if you're doing it, you know, internally for your own company, sitting down with all the stakeholders and making sure that everybody's in agreement on the strategy, the personas and the goals. Um, and then also, if you're doing it with an external client, it's about involving them in the process to make sure that they're part of it, too. And I don't think you should rely on just external or internal stakeholders, but also make sure that your voice is being heard in there because not everybody understands community the way that you do as a community manager. Yeah, I like the uh, Alicia mentioned about unique value proposition and thing about business goals. So whenever someone is thinking about being a community or just shifting from one place to another, I also recommend like focus on what's biggest for your case. So if, if you're hosting many events like where it is easier to host events. If the goal is, it is accountability, so where you can create, like maybe it's better uh, platform where you can have a fee where people can connect to each other. Or if you're running courses, like where it's easier to build a course and to engage people. So try to focus what's the biggest thing about your community and see where it relates and at, at most, like where it is easiest, maybe it's not the best, but where it's easiest. So start with easiest and then 
grow on that. And if you need more resources, then just try to figure out later what you need, what you actually need for your community. Yeah. For, for me, um, I've always, I've never gotten to choose a platform. I've always been hired and they've already bought the platform. Um, a lot of that stems from Jive back when Jive was a thing, just because I was very familiar with the platform and they had Jive and they want somebody with a lot of experience on it. So I'm, I'm very much of the, here's the tools that I have and just making it work as best I can. Um, Boy, there's days when I'm, you know, wish I could change platforms, but I know that, you know, business realities mean that that's not always, always possible. Um, right now, I'm on Experience Cloud, and it's not my favorite, that's for sure. Uh, but it's working, and we're getting things done. It's just a little different than what I'm used to. So, uh, but that's on me, you know. Uh, that's me to learn to adapt and, and understand the platform better. All right, our second question. What features do you look for in a community uh, platform? Um, these could be anything, you know, uh, I always, my big thing is reporting. I think reporting on every community platform is lackluster. I don't think any community platform does it right. Uh, I think some are better than others, but, uh, and I hate that you sometimes either have to dump raw data to get what you want, or you have to use a third party tool to get what you want. Uh, you know, I wish the platforms would do it all in yourself. Uh, anybody want to take a stab at that? Yeah, for me, what I always look for is for automations. So you mentioned about third-party tools. So I'm a kind of Xavier aficionado and other tools for automated stuff. And like automation is great for when you're starting. Like you maybe it's only yourself or you have two or three people in your team and it is easier to automate stuff so you can save us time for important things. And we are, when you're a bigger brand or business, like there's so much stuff going on that automations can also help. So for me, like I always look for how I can either connect to an automation tool or which features for automating stuff like onboarding, engagement, events that tool already have. So for me, it is like first step that I look for. Very good. Yeah, and I was gonna say, um... I mean, both of those are great uh, points. And I think the other thing too with integrations is also looking at like internally, like can it connect with your CRM? And is the logins for your main site connected to your community platform? So you can kind of track what members are doing, um, how it might impact your sales, registrations for events, um, other things. But I think also like, you know, and I mentioned some of this before, you know, just like, you know, can it be white labeled? Can you have, can you segment out your community platform into different, like, for lack of a better word, sub communities, right? Where some are private and some are public and certain aspects of that platform is only seen by certain members of the community. If maybe they're a paid member, if maybe they're, you know, uh, elite member, uh, whatever you label you want to put on them, <laughs> you know, super community member or whatever, um, is really making sure that you, you know, you have that access. And I think the other, you know, feature too, and this is important in certain industries is, you know, security, like our messages encrypted, are they, you know, public? Um, because that can mean, 
you know, sometimes that you really, it might be really important uh, with your community members or the industry that you're in, that your data and the messaging is very secure versus being a little bit more open. And so I think all those come into play, but, you know, one of the, the big features too is like, you know, how easily does it tie in with everything else that you need to tie in with your company to make it easily measurable? Um, because those things are what keep the community department going, <laughs> showing the results from it. So if you don't have the results from it, you're really not going to be in a job for too much longer, having to always justify your job instead of being able to prove your job. So I think really making sure that you're tying in um, you know, those features that you have from other stakeholders that you're trying to align those, um, you know, uh, business objectives with some of your community goals that you can really show the power that your community is having and the impact that it's having on those business objectives that you have so that it doesn't become something where you need to sell community all the time. It's something where people are like, how can we invest more in the community to get more business value? Yeah, and uh, for me, I, I do agree with a lot of what Tim said, because uh, after doing the research within the company, uh, what I found was the most, most crucial for us is to have the profile, people's profile in our, in our community linked with their profiles within our personal uh, platform, because we are a freelancer platform, so basically everyone has to have an account there. And now community is like something separate. We're just like, oh, go on Discord for the community. And Discord is cool. Like it has many cool things about it. But um, if you're part of any servers, you know that names on Discord aren't usually very, <laughs> very telling. So my good friend that I remember well, because he's my good friend, but his name is doom hammer because he plays doom a lot you know like and stuff like this so it's like every conversation i have basically with community members always starts hey but what's your name so i can actually go and check your thing and check your profile within our platform so it's something that's been annoying and we don't really know like who's who who does what sometimes people don't have pictures like it's just like very very confusing so the biggest feature that actually will be needed for me right now is to uh, have their pro pro community profiles linked with the profiles on our own platform so that's like number one the biggest the biggest issue that like is annoying for everyone in the company basically and um, the second one is events i realized that uh, the way we're doing events is not optimal and i would like to do them more within a community and start inviting external people to the events as well that are being taken being run within the community so like good event functionality and live streams and also recording so something that david mentioned uh, david mentioned that it's uh, you know it's tricky but i hope we'll, uh, we'll get there so um yeah, these are the main two ones for me which uh, and the first one is actually is, uh, is crucial because um, while looking for a platform, I think everyone already also considers that, that we don't want people to have to create an account in a platform different than what they know, just so they can be a part of one community. That's why people do communities at Slack at the beginning or Discord or Facebook or something, because these platforms are familiar and you don't have to download another app for that. 
So that is kind of tricky how to mix it up. So it was familiar for the user, but at the same time, it was your platform and connected to your uh, your company's platform. <laughs> um, that's the feature I'm most into right now. Yeah, single sign-in is is a huge one. Uh, you know, especially if they already have an account on your site and then you're asking them to join a community and they need to re-register again. It's like a whole process that uh, most people don't want to have to go through. And we all know we don't want to create too many barriers for people to be part of a community. <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, it's uh, uh, advocacy slash gamification features where you know your your users are rewarded for uh, you know sharing information, you know sharing stuff off the site. Uh, helps drive traffic back right to your community. So looking looking for those kinds of features that reward behavior that you want them to do. Um, you know, gamification done right can be effective, but you know, if it's done wrong, it just feels like you know you're cajoling them to do stuff that maybe they don't want to. So you know, just figuring that out. Um, I'm glad that Tim mentioned my favorite subject. What is metrics? Um, which is metrics. Uh, so our third question up today, uh, what metrics do you look for and look at when you're reporting to your stakeholders? Um, and uh, what features do you need to do that within the community? Obviously, I'm on a soapbox here. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's 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 the, one of the things that, you know, I, I just, you know, prefer is to have good um you know, metrics and good, easy ways to get metrics out of a platform. Nobody really no. to talk no, about. No papers on that one? <laughs> I, I can start. Uh, the metrics that, as you guys know, like, as you mentioned, like, not any tool is great for great analytics and reports. So I always go to the basics like active users, how is growing on engagement. But what we do try because we have a product related to the community is trying to figure out who is in the community and also using the product if there's a feed, if people are using more the product. So there's not a great way for doing this. You can again try to use third-party tools or just export import in a spreadsheet, create your own dashboards. But yeah, this is like the basics, active users, engagement, and then we try to link with the business goals that it's product usage, support, and try to export or connect this data, but not to the tools I never found into that this makes it easier for us. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it's very much, I think, um, you know, not like, you can't give just a canned answer for this because it really depends on what your stakeholders are concerned with. And if you're putting the tactics and the right uh, measurements in your community to make sure that they align with those goals, that the, the business outcomes that they want to see. So as Pedro was saying, you know, if you're looking at, you know, product, um, how much are you saving on market research by getting feedback from your community? for your product or your service. Um, if it's support tickets, how much is your community answering questions, you know, that's reducing your support times and and number of tickets that are coming into your support desk. Um, if it's 
you know, event registrations, you know, or sales, any type of sales, how much more is your community, you know, buying than a non-community member and showing the value that your community has for that. Um, so there's, there's a whole bunch of different things that I think you, you know, you can measure depending on what your goals are for the community and within your organization. But I think, you know, um, and the metrics kind of, you know, you know, sometimes you're kind of handcuffed a little bit with what you have to work with, but it's really about how you present those, you know, to people. And I think not just the numbers, but also, you know, um, I've always been a big fan and a lot of people over the years have called me somebody that didn't care about numbers. I do care about numbers, but I am really passionate about telling the story of the community to internal stakeholders too. And meaning, you know, so, so taking screenshots of, you know, uh, an exchange of, let's say it's a support where one member is helping another member. It's like showing that, backing it up with the numbers, but then telling that story of what this meant and now how these two community members are able to help other community members, which will even help our numbers come down on the support tickets even more and save our company more money. And so it's like, it's just really taking those qualitative and quantitative approaches to what you have um, to make sure that you're aligning the community outcomes with the business goals that you have. Celebrate your successes. Yes. And and if you're not being your biggest cheerleader in internally, nobody else is going to do it for you. <laughs> so you need to get everybody else enthused about what's going on in the community in addition to yourself. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, I have two metrics that I'm, uh, you know, discussing and reporting. One is the NPS. So basically, it's just a survey in a survey how likely are people to recommend our platform and it's just um and maybe i can find a feature that will let me help uh, help me implement that in a community currently we're just sending out a survey through email and ask people to reply to that so that's one of the things and the second one is a uh, number of referrals so how actually like people like states how likely they are but how are they really referring other people and uh, yeah that's basically two main things of course there are like, smaller things like how often are we on some events we also run an ambassador program right now so how how often much is mentioned in social media through our ambassadors and stuff like this but the main ones are referrals and the nps for me yeah, I was going to say, I think this, the Skim newsletter, um, when they started, they had the Skim Ambassador program. And I, if I remember correctly, I think a Skim Ambassador was responsible for 18 times more referrals than an average reader wow. of their email newsletter. And so if you just think of like that type of impact that your community can have, it, it can be huge as far as your growth and your success as a business. Yeah, I like it to mention about the NPS because I was going to say that maybe it is the most general for like all communities can use NPS. And you can also really like if I have a product, then you can compare like people that are in the community. If they have higher NPS than those that are in. And other than NPS, maybe just revenue. Like if we have a membership, like how much the revenue is growing. And if we have something related to the community, like a product, that if people that it's in the community is upgrading for higher tiers or things like that. 
Yeah, very good. And I've heard of using NPS. I've seen others do a different kind of survey, um, kind of like NPS, but more be more community centric. Like the first question that they ask is if the, you know, how would it impact you if the community didn't exist tomorrow? And kind of seeing how what the reaction is to that. And then you kind of dig in from there. Like if it was gone, would that be very bad? No change or very good kind of thing. How would you react? Uh, and that kind of helped guide things. Um, all right, so question five, and we're blowing through these today, so we might call this one a short show. <laughs> how can how can social media, chat, or other ser services work in tandem with your community platforms? The assumption there is that it's not the platform that you're on. So Discord, of course, would not really have to worry about chat because that's what it's all about. <laughs> so how would you incorporate Twitter, say, in Discord and that kind of thing? Um, you know. How can that work for you? What can you do to leverage that for your community and your platforms? I think it's a it's a difficult one, especially for me because we're just I'm gonna have a new person joining the team doing the social media stuff for freelancers next week, so I'm super excited about that. But it hasn't happened yet, so I haven't used the full potential of social media. But to be honest, I feel like chat is. Uh, obviously, I, on Discord, it's very obvious and easy to do, but I think it's been an enormous part of the community for me because people join the community and often they don't know, they're not sure about stuff, they need some support, they just want to like reach out and learn about stuff. So I would say the chat for me is crucial in what we're doing so far, and I cannot even imagine uh, our community without it at this point. And social media, for sure, when we had some events and uh, the marketing team would help me promote these events and reach out to, to new members, to people that can possibly be interested in the subject that are not in our community yet. So more like with outreach, the social media for now, and chat is a crucial part of my daily work. Um, I'd say, but I'm really looking forward to exploring more of the social media options and interacting with my community through social media as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I know when we launched HuffPost Live at HuffPost, I mean, we had our own platform where people could sign up and chat and everything, but we were on for, at the time, 12 hours a day. And outside of those hours, and even during those hours, so many people would share like on social media. So I was, even though I, you know, to your point, Alicia, I did have somebody else that was running social for HuffPost Live. And then I was doing the community for HuffPost Live. We worked, we actually sat right next to each other for a while. <laughs> um, but we, um, you know, I would have the more, um, he was more the social media as far as the marketing went, pushing the message out. I was more the engaging person on social media where I would talk to some of the community members that were maybe in our chat on our platform talking, but I'd also have a chat with them on Twitter. And as a result of that, you sometimes got other people in the conversation, which then draw them into the community. So I can obviously see a lot of opportunities. And you know, if you're fortunate where you work at a company where you do have them separated between social media and community, really forming a good relationship and bond with the person doing the social media <laughs> for your company. But if you don't, it, I, it, you're really missing out on an opportunity, I think, to really 
not only make those members feel like they don't have to always be on your platform to get something out of it. Like they're being recognized outside of the community as much as they are in the community. But the other thing that you really can create is an opportunity to gain more exposure to get more community members into the community by being off of your community. And so I think that, you know, for me, social media has been huge with a, a whole bunch of communities I've been a part of because it really opens you up and gets people exposed to what you're working on and what you're part of. And if they feel like they want to be part of that, you have simply an open invitation to bring them in because you already know that they're going to be a good community member based upon what they're talking about on social. And so I just, I find, you know, I've always been that way. I mean, I've been on Twitter for 14 years, I think now. And it's like, you know, that to me has always been like my go-to, but it's really just one of those things where, you know, I've met so many people, I've engaged with so many people, I've created awareness for the communities I've been part of, and then been able to bring those people in. And I don't force anybody, I don't tell anybody to do it. I just welcome them. And if they opt in, it's great. And then I have the opportunity to do it within the community too, and introduce them to more people once they're in the community, which even gives them that sense of belonging that I think we all wanna create, even though I know we're not talking about that right now, we're talking about platforms. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, the way that team mentioned about using as a recognition platform, I think it's the best one. Like a way that I love to use social media is to highlight great members and discussions. So people that aren't members can see what's happening and get the value from the community. And if members that also follow us in social media can like, if I miss any best discussion last week, then I can check here. They are actively posting about it. So I won't lose anything and get most of the value from the community. So using it as a tool for recognition, I believe is the best way. And also chat has become kind of crucial for all platforms, like all community platforms should have chat or a way to create chat groups or a way for like that synchronous uh, engagement between members. So you can see like lots of tools that didn't have like the great, the best chat tools are progressing faster on those features. This. Yep, very good. Yeah, I think that uh, everybody had good points and I, I'm gonna try and touch on some of them. Uh, I think that obviously if your platform doesn't have a feature, you're going to have to go somewhere else to get it, right? So like Experience Cloud really doesn't have a good chat-like interface. Um, and for us, we're mostly a support community, so it's really not necessary for, you know, general things, but we do have a chat available for support issues where they can go in and find out what's going on with a ticket or a case that they have going on. But it, it's not really going to be one of those things where if you're having trouble using the platform, you can ask a quick question and get it solved. Um, I think that having a couple of different ways to interact with people is important because uh, depending on the platform, I, I like to think of, of things as, as length of memory. Discord, uh, Slack, all of those kinds of things have very short memories. If you're there and in the moment, you can capture that information. But a week later, if you try to go back and find it, it can be very difficult if it was just kind of in an open chat area. You know, if it's in a little private conversation, that's much easier. But if you do it in the general chat area, it's going to be hard to go back and search for it. Um, but a forum, an old school forum, is much better and has a longer memory usually. And it's easier to find those old conversations. In fact, in a lot of places, you can bookmark them. 
So you can say, I want to remember this conversation and give it its own little column. And it's just not something that other other platforms are good for. Uh, I think it's also important to use social media if you're if you're not on social media if that's not where your platform is to drive traffic back to your community you know share sharing stuff out from your community to the public at large saying hey we just had a great conversation you should come read it is going to introduce that to people that you you might not you know normally get um and looking for people to share conversations out to social media and giving them the tools to do that uh, i think it's it all should work together the goal is uh, you know, better, whatever's better for the user, right? So better for them to get support, better for them to easily, you know, learn things, uh, better for them to get help if they need help real quick and using your platform or, or general things like that. Uh, <clears throat> but I think that's all good. Um, so I thought I'd uh, open it up. Does anybody have any questions uh, they would like to ask us to, to find out? I know, Alice, you might have some uh, since you're trying to do this at the beginning of it and uh, that kind of thing. So any questions from you all? Well, I know I'm not supposed to like plug anything, but um, <laughs> I'll just I'll give a little snippet. I won't make it a, a commercial or anything. But our company has um, a new beta platform for analytics on Discord, and oh. one of the things I think that you would really love, and it addresses your point, David, which is why I brought it up, is you can, uh, you know, depending on the permission levels you have in your server, be able to denote certain things by leaving a, you know, reaction, you know, to something. I mean, obviously your community members might gain on that, you know, your moderate mods and super mods and admins are using the same thing over and over again, like a, you know, green apple or something like that or whatever, you know, you use. But what it does is it can filter those messages into our platform. And that way you don't have to remember or go back and search for it. You actually have a list of all those things. Um, but the other thing too, I, I love about it is it gives you like real time metrics um, and, you know, just for the channels and the groups and the, that you want to be measuring. So if you don't want to measure your internal chats or your mod chats and just see your true community member chats, um, it just shows you those. Um, but why I like that is because most Discord servers aren't going 24-7 with high activity. And this allows you to see when you should be paying attention to your server to be able to engage with members because you can kind of narrow it down. Like we just did this with one client who who's trying it out. And we noticed like from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. was a spike. The rest of the day, nothing. I mean, there was a little bit, but nothing. So really, since this was like a team of two people that this wasn't their full-time job, all of a sudden now they could just have their Discord server open for those two or three hours during the day and be able to make sure that they didn't miss any engagement opportunities or responses that they need to have in real time. And so I do think there are some tools out there. Um, so I'm not, you know, again, not making this a commercial for what we're doing. Didn't even mention the name of it yet, um, but... <laughs> That is something that, you know, is out there and I'm starting to see more companies start to do stuff like this for other platforms that are out there that are commonly used. Um, and obviously some platforms are starting to build some of this functionality into them themselves. But um, anybody that's worked on Discord knows that um, 
pretty much they're not don't seem to be making too much of an investment in anything that they're doing lately. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like office hours. Just being able to say, you know, hey, if they're only active from eleven to two, that's and will be active too. Uh, yeah. I think any community should have like office hours internally and externally to answer questions from employees in the company that you work at about what the community is and how they can leverage it, but also externally so you can help people get more acquainted with your community um, and, and do those kinds of things. Anyone else? I have one thing that is not super question question, but I think you missed the fourth question. Didn't we answer third question and then jump to fifth? Yeah, there's no fourth question. No, you're absolutely right. You know, that's 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 what we, happens we when you're on episode two. Is in this group. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to slip that through. Yeah, I, I totally uh, did not renumber them. So, you know, the, we went from three to five. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and and that's that's the beauty of this is that it's very casual. It's not, you know, super. I mean, I try to make it look professional, but the reality is, is that, you know, I've got, uh, you know, hamsters are running in the background, keeping the power on. A couple of monkeys are trying to do some Shakespeare over here for me. Uh, so we're flying by the seat of our pants. But it, it makes it more fun, in my opinion, that we have this little thing. Totally. So, yes. Question four is why isn't there a question four? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and as for my changing the platforms, like um, I'm still in the process, you know, like I'm trying to figure it out first within the internal stakeholders and the community themselves. And now I'm booking all the demo calls. Uh, I have, uh, I had a, actually a person from our team, from our company that made a, a comparison of uh, platforms for for me, basically for us to to see which ones we could, you know, discover, and you know, and which ones would actually work with what we're looking for right now. So if somebody wants to get more in depth uh, look at the analysis that we have made internally, I would be happy to share. Uh, it's just like a few slides about pros and cons of each of them, but they're they were made basically having our company's interest in mind, so they're not super universal. But if you would like to have them, I can share it with either David, Tim, or I can share it on Twitter if you text me or something. So, well, you could always always make you a writer and put put it on communitymanager.com. The community got to plug the the place right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we could get it out there, however you want to share it, of course. Um, I will say that um, I know that Rich Millington at feverbee.com at one time had a very good platform comparison uh, section. I think CMX has a pretty good platform comparison if you ever want to go look out there. That's yeah, cmxapp.com. Uh, CMX one is from 2018. So yeah. By the time somebody publishes it, because it's a lot of work to put them together, there's yes. probably like half of them or a quarter of them aren't around anymore. And there's probably another quarter or half that are brand new that came about after they wrote it. So, say that. There is so much, so much going on in the community right now, as far as, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I have my opinions about web three, but Hey, more power to them. They're bringing a lot of eyes to community. Uh, you know, and they're bringing that traffic in, they're bringing money in for community platforms. Um, I just, you know, 
what people realize there's more to community than web three if you're new to it um so just keep that in mind i'm not saying anything bad about web three because that would be inappropriate uh, <laughs> well it's but, interesting uh, you, you know you say that david because you know i have not been immersed in web three until the right. last couple months where and i'm not immersed in it but i'm much more knowledgeable about it and i've gone through some web three community manager training courses and to me I think they're making it out like it's completely different than what web one or web two was. And the basic tenets of community are, it doesn't matter what you want to call it. They remain the same. Yes. And so we don't need to make this big fancy title or name or make it sound like it's that much more glamorous because really the, the, the way that you approach it, the way that you measure it and the way that it can deliver value to the organization are all the same. Absolutely. And, you know, with Web3, part of it is decentralized. That's the whole big thing is decentralization. It can be decentralized and you'll still follow the same patterns and still measure the same things. I mean, the difference is it's, you know, the authority there is, you know, still, you know, there's a still a place where you're going to get all that data and measure it, right? And report on it and tell this is what our community is doing this is what our community is not doing here's insights into what they want from us and what you know we want from them and let's let's all measure it it's all there and it's that was web one that was web two that was web three maybe not so much in web one because i don't think we were anybody was thinking about measuring anything in web one um, <laughs> honestly but in web two you know uh it was about measuring let's see how many you know daily active users, monthly active users, uh, those kinds of things. We started learning and trying to, to do that. And, and Web3 is just it's the same story, just a different you know, way of looking at it. So it's not so different. Um, you know, I, I have issues with crypto uh, that's behind a lot of the Web3 stuff. Uh, those are my personal opinions. They shouldn't reflect on anybody here or anything else. But um, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of DAOs, for example, um, because I feel like you can do everything that a DAO does without the crypto, without the blockchain. You know, that's just my opinion. Uh, but I understand why they like DAOs, because that kind of having a, a say um, and having something behind it that says you have a say is great. But I don't think you need the blockchain to do that. You can do that in other ways. We've done it for centuries, you know, with uh, elections and voting. Uh, it's nothing new. So it's just where it is. But well, uh, I want to thank gonna, everybody for coming. I was going to yeah. say, in my experience, too, looking at how many people are calling themselves DAOs, and really, if you get into their structure, it's no different than the hierarchy <laughs> in a traditional organization. Yep. It's it's it exactly. So and and like I said, it's you know somebody some people really like the security of having, you know, some a voting token that gives them authority and that power and it makes them feel like that their vote's going to really matter because there's some authority behind it, <clears throat> and that's fine. Uh, I still think you can do that without a token, but that's my opinion. So uh, I do want to thank everybody for coming. I'm going to give you the stage for a second to say uh, who you are, where people can find you, and how they can connect with you if they would like to connect with you off of here. Um, I will start with 
let's get a big screen up here. I will put Alice on top and okay. let her say everything she needs to say about finding her and connecting with her. Um, okay, so um, I'm not gonna say much because uh, you can see this here is my Twitter thing. And um, I'm not that much on Twitter, but I've recently created a link tree to all of my social stuff there. So that's the easiest way probably if you wanna contact me, just like go there and click the link three and I'm probably more active everywhere else than Twitter. Very good. <laughs> Feel free to plug your community if you want to. I mean, if, you're, if you wanna wait until you're really ready to go with your community and plug it, that's fine too. Okay. Okay. Pedro, tell us about yourself, where people can find you, and what company do you work for finally? So actually I work for my own company. <laughs> so <laughs> I do consulting, but I do help Circle and Burb build their products. And you can find me on Twitter, same here, or LinkedIn. I'm active in both. If you want to just chat about community platforms, community operations and automations, then shoot me a DM, you can discuss I can talk about search, I can talk about Burb, that is a tool to automate communities. Yeah, feel free to reach out. You can jump here again sometime as well and keep the discussion alive. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, plenty of cool topics coming up. So, uh, Tim? Yeah, well, I'm uh, Tim, and I'm not as good as Alicia with where I point, um, but somewhere down in the corner there. <laughs> That's my Twitter handle. I'm very active on there. Um, so you can just connect with me there. And if you're not on there, just type in Tim McDonald and you'll probably find me. Um, I'm not the professional football player. I'm not a country <laughs> musician. Um, there's a lot more Tim McDonald's online now than there used to be, but I'm still like up there usually when you type in my name. Um, and I work with Homeroom. Uh, which is a non-platform specific company. Um, so we work with many, uh, Circle's one of them, Pedro. Uh, and you know, it's uh, the product that we have is Harmony. That's what measures uh, Discord servers and, and is in beta right now. So anybody that does manage a community on Discord, I'd welcome you to just go to homeroom.club and check out the Harmony product. And if you're interested in platforms, one of the things that we love doing is just having what we call discovery calls with clients. And we get our CEO, myself, and our operations manager on and just uh, learn what you're looking for and then give some suggestions. So that's kind of what we do. And we are full, full stack uh, uh, tech too. So we can help build out the solutions if you're interested in working with us. <laughs> Very good. Hey, mention, please, your other website, your personal one. Oh, the one for my, yeah. my cancer? Um, yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, most people maybe don't know this, but I do have stage four cancer. I've been responding really well to chemo, um, even though I just had it a couple of days ago last night. It was not a good night for me, but um, <laughs> uh, I am eligible for a liver um, transplant. And so if you go to timsliver.com, um, you can find out information about what it takes. Uh, basically, I don't get on a list. You need an actual living person to donate part of their liver and your liver regenerates within eight to 12 weeks to its full size. So you have no risk to do, well, there's always a risk with surgery, but you really don't like have a risk of not having your liver back. <laughs> you still get your full liver back and, uh, and it could help 
rid me of uh, all the cancer I have. So. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. Um, so me, myself, and I, I am David Dewald. You can find me on Twitter at Historian. Uh, yeah, I got on in 2007. That's why I got that funny, you know, it's just a simple name. So uh, you can find the, I don't have a link tree. I have something similar, but you can find information there. Um, next week's episode is going to be on community growing pains. So if you would like to join us, uh, please let me know. You can contact me through Twitter. You can contact me on the communitymanager.com uh, and on our contact page. And uh, I'd love to have you on. Uh, Alicia, if you want to return, Pedro, if you want to return, that would be great. Just let me know. Um, Tim, of course, is my co-host, so he'll always be here. But thank you, everybody, for joining in. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, LinkedIn, communitymanager.com. Uh, it's all linked there, thecommunitymanager.com. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for joining, and we'll talk to you next week.